Good morning, and welcome to Simply Finance. It's Sunday, March 3rd. On today's show, as China looks to stabilize its economy, senior finance officials get the boot. Plus, find out which American cities are experiencing the most financial stress. And Chris Farrell shares Warren Buffett's annual wisdom, full of personal finance advice. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Finance. We start off with a significant development in China's financial sector. In an attempt to stabilize its economy, China is making significant changes to the senior ranks of its financial sector. This comes as the central government tries to steady an economy that's been showing signs of instability. Here with us to delve deeper into this is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Finance. Can you tell us more about this development? Certainly, David. The Chinese government is taking decisive action in response to the current economic instability. This involves a purge of the senior ranks within its financial sector. It's a clear indication of the government's intent to regain control and stabilize the economy. What could be the implications of such a move? Well, this move could have several implications. On one hand, it could help to bring in fresh perspectives and new strategies to tackle the economic challenges. On the other hand, it could also lead to a period of uncertainty within the financial sector as new leaders take the helm and potentially shift the direction of financial policies. And how might this affect China's economy in the short term? In the short term, we could see some volatility as the market adjusts to these changes. However, if the new leaders can effectively implement strategies to stabilize the economy, we might see a return to stability over time. It's a delicate balancing act. Thanks for the update, Bella. Now, shifting our focus to a new report from personal finance site WalletHub, it appears that American cities like Chicago and Houston top the list of places with the highest number of people in financial distress, with New York and Los Angeles following closely behind. James, a correspondent for Simply Finance, is here to delve deeper into this report. Can you tell us more about the metrics used in this analysis? Sure, David. The analysis ranked 100 large cities based on several indicators of financial distress, including bankruptcy filings, credit scores, and accounts in forbearance due to financial troubles. The researchers also considered how often people in each city searched the internet for terms like debt or loans, which is a measure of financial concern. So, what does this report tell us about the current state of personal finance in these cities? The report paints a picture of increasing financial stress among Americans. Credit card debt reached a record $1.13 trillion at the end of last year, and the personal savings rate was down to 3.8% in January, from about 7% before the COVID-19 pandemic. This is happening against a backdrop of rising interest rates and consumer prices, which are putting additional pressure on people's finances. How does inflation factor into this situation? Inflation which peaked at a 40-year high of 9.1% in summer 2022, is a significant factor. As the cost of goods rises, people are spending more, but don't have the free cash flow, leading many to rely on unsecured debt, such as credit cards. This is particularly evident in cities like Chicago and Houston, 
which also rank high on WalletHub's list of cities with the biggest inflation problems. What about the impact of the Federal Reserve's actions? The Fed has been aggressively trying to curb inflation by raising its key short-term interest rate from near zero to a 22-year high of 5.25% to 5.5% between March 2022 and July 2023. While this is intended to slow down inflation, it's also making borrowing more expensive, which is adding to the financial stress for many people. What are some of the other cities that made it to the top 10 list? Apart from Chicago, Houston, New York, and Los Angeles, the top 10 list includes Dallas, Las Vegas, San Antonio, Atlanta, Riverside in California, and Jacksonville in Florida. These cities rank high for various reasons, including a year-to-year -year rise in bankruptcy filings, weak credit scores, and a high frequency of online searches about debt and loans. Thanks for that report, James. Now, shifting gears to another financial topic, Warren Buffett's annual letter to Berkshire Hathaway shareholders is always a much-anticipated event in the financial world. The 2023 letter, like its predecessors, is packed with insights from the legendary investor. Here to delve deeper into the letter and its implications is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply Finance. So, Celeste, what are the key takeaways from this year's letter? Well, David, the letter opens with a touching tribute to Buffett's late intellectual and investing partner, Charlie Munger. Buffett acknowledges Munger's significant contributions and describes their relationship as part older brother, part loving father. Beyond this, there are several themes in the letter that have personal finance implications, even though Berkshire Hathaway is a massive company with a market capitalization of nearly $900 billion. Could you elaborate on these themes? Certainly. The first theme is the importance of financial conservatism for safety and opportunity. Buffett has long emphasized the company's financial strength, which includes a substantial cash buffer of $167.6 billion. This buffer allows the company to weather financial crises and economic downturns and to seize opportunities when they arise. This is a lesson that can be applied to personal finance as well, underscoring the importance of maintaining a healthy financial safety margin. And the second theme? The second theme is the value of long-term investing. Buffett warns against frequent trading, which he says is hazardous to wealth. Instead, he recommends sticking with quality long-term investments. He attributes the success of his investment strategy to the American tailwind and the power of compound interest, suggesting that a few good decisions and the avoidance of serious mistakes can yield significant rewards. That's a valuable insight. What about the third theme? The third theme is about finding your purpose. Buffett, who is still passionate about managing Berkshire at the age of 93, emphasizes that personal finance is about designing money strategies that support the life you want to live. He sees managing Berkshire as mostly fun and always interesting, which is a testament to the importance of finding joy and purpose in what you do. Thanks for those insights, Celeste. Now, shifting gears to a recent development in government spending, President Joe Biden's stopgap measure has been embroiled in a sudden fight over increasing college financial aid. The Biden administration's promise to qualify more students for federal financial aid was quickly retracted, leading to a blame game that's adding stress to colleges. Here to discuss this further is Abby, a correspondent for Simply Finance. Can you tell us more about this situation? Certainly, David. 
the Biden administration initially promised that hundreds of thousands more students would qualify for federal financial aid this year. However, this promise was quickly withdrawn amidst disagreements in Congress. Some lawmakers accused the administration of overstepping its authority, while the Education Department argued it was merely trying to provide more assistance to families in need. What impact is this having on colleges and students? The political back and forth has left those responsible for assembling financial aid offers in a state of uncertainty for a week. There are concerns that the turmoil in Washington might further delay financial aid offers to students in the coming months. Software providers that work with colleges are scrambling to figure out their next steps. What sparked this sudden fight over college financial aid? The conflict was triggered by a sudden request from the Biden administration to direct billions of additional dollars next year to the federal Pell Grant program, which helps low-income families pay for college. While this move could have increased financial aid for hundreds of thousands of students, it would have quickly depleted Congress's reserves for the program, threatening future aid. What's the current status of the Pell Grant program? The Pell Grant program is already facing financial challenges. Recent research suggested that Congress's Pell coffers would run dry by 2026, endangering financial help for millions. The new demand from the Biden administration would have required Congress to pass more funding by later this year, a difficult task during a presidential election. What's the reaction from Congress? There's been a mixed reaction. Some congressional staffers felt blindsided by the sudden request. Repetor Virginia Fox, RNC, criticized the Education Department for its 11th hour demand, which she said could cripple the Pell Grant program by creating a $7 billion funding gap. On the other hand, Democrats were disappointed with the end result of the negotiations. What's the current state of the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, or FAFSA? The FAFSA has been a point of contention. Despite being used by millions of students and parents annually, the Education Department's computer systems for it haven't been fully modernized in decades. Since a bipartisan law was passed to streamline the form, technical errors and unforeseen delays have caused frustration among students and colleges. What's the future outlook for college financial aid? The situation remains unpredictable and political. The Education Department insists that the back and forth won't delay things any further, but some are skeptical. Meanwhile, another bill to expand college financial aid, the Bipartisan Workforce Pell Act, has been stalled. This bill would extend Pell Grants to college programs as short as eight weeks, but it's faced opposition, and it's unclear when it might be considered again. Thanks for the insights, Abby. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Finance. We'll see you back here tomorrow.